can open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 6, Proverbs chapter 6. As you're doing that, I was thinking about that psalm we were just doing. I remember saying a prayer uh, as a kid. We, we grew up in one of those houses where you said the same prayer every time before meal. Any of y'all ever got that? So, see, uh, by show of hands, let me see if I'm alone. My prayer went something like this. God is great. God is good. God is great. God is good. Let us thank you for this food. By his hands we are fed. Right? Can you hear the first two lines? God is great. God is good. What are we seeing almost every Sunday in particular with that song? God is great and boy, you are good. You've got this, God. It's funny how the truths that sustain us through all of life quite often are so simple that a child can understand. Would you agree with that? Yes, no, maybe. Yes, okay. Good, because we have our children with us today. That means uh, we have a family service, so teenagers are always with us. But we've also got the elementary age kids, and that means the parents, you know, you've got your kids with you. We understand that. Okay, we like it. But I also got a sermon that is simple enough for any child to understand. But it's also deep enough that any grown-up should say, yeah, I need to do that as well. Does that make sense? And it's a sermon about what we should be doing. So I always like to be careful and preface that with this. When we start, we have sermons on, you should do this, you should do this, you should do this. It can start to feel like, oh, I, I don't do that enough. And, oh, man. And you can actually leave here feeling guilty or condemned, but that's not the right direction. Because God is what? Great, and he is, he is what? He's good? Is he good, good? All the time? I feel like I start singing. He's good, right? My point is this, you know, when I'm training up my three daughters or my grandson or, you know, the kids are coming, if I see that they're growing and going in the right direction, I'm not quick to say, oh, look, you messed up there. I'm, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Get up again. Try again. So as you're hearing the message, remember, that's kind of the tone of this. God wants you to become more and more like him. And he will empower you. He's good. He's Abba Father. He's good. But at the same time, he's great. He's a king. And he's holy. And his commands are not options. They're commands. And we as Christians are called to do them, and we will do them. Does that make sense? Go back with me? Okay. So kids, welcome. We're glad you're here. Uh, today I'm going to talk a little bit about the animal kingdom. A little bit. But one animal in particular. It did make me realize I could do a whole series of just animals. I really could. I mean, you could start talking about sheep or, um, you know, when we are tired, we mount up with wings like eagles, eagles right? And, and just, I did a quick list on lessons learned from animals. We could do the rest of the year, just animals, okay? You know, and then there's the great big animals. Kids love to learn about dinosaurs, right? Uh, quick, UBI has nothing to do with the message, but I'm going to get to you anyway. Because one of the questions is, why are dinosaurs mentioned in the Bible? Did you know the word dinosaur wasn't even coined in English until 1841? The Bible went in English before then, so the word dinosaur did not exist. But you can actually find them referenced in the book of Job. Interesting things there. The animal I want to talk about today is not the biggest one, it's one of the little ones. And the Bible says this animal is, here's the exact quote, exceedingly wise. Brad, right? put that up there. The name of today's sermon is the ant and the slave. Anybody can remember that, right? The ant and the slave. Uh, 
We've been in a series on conquering procrastination. Procrastination is often a form of laziness. So where we are in the sermon today is we're going to talk about what we put off, laziness, and what we put on, which is diligence. And diligence is really illustrated really well by the ant and the slave. If you're in the back, you may not be able to see this, but I have an ant form. There's actually plenty of funny stories. Where's Jenny off with you in the house? Jenny did this for us. Uh, again, it has nothing to do with the sermon, but just because I'm talking. So Jenny's like, she, she put this together, but she didn't want any ants getting loose in her office. She went to somebody else's office to put the ants out. <laughs> then when she put it in the office, they had this little thing. The ants opened this little little thing where you could connect to something else, and some of them got out of her office anyway. <laughs> but John rescued them and put the ants back in. So, uh, This little ant farm is going to be a, a, a gift to someone, but as a parent, I know better than to gift you without asking. So if you are interested in having this ant farm, send a text to me or Jenny, and we're going to give this away to somebody. But a lesson is on the ant, and the Bible says the ant is exceedingly wise, and the, the Bible tells a particular person, a person struggling with particular sin, to look to the ant, and that would be the lazy person. So without further ado, let's jump into a kind of a review. If you have your sermon notes, I'm going to review very quickly what we covered the last two weeks. It was like this, okay? So we're about conquering procrastination. Last week, we looked at setting godly goals. And we looked at the difference between a goal and a desire. As an example, you know, my goal isn't to have a harmonious house. That's a desire. Because anyone can block that goal. Our goal is to be the man we're supposed to be, to be the husband we're supposed to be, to be the being a Christian I'm supposed to be. We talked about godly goals versus desires. Uh, you can listen to that sermon online if you'd like. Some of the signals that maybe you don't have a godly goal is, is anger and anxiety and despair. And we talked about when those things are signaling or going on inside you, it's usually a signal that you need to go back and say, do I have a godly goal? So we looked at that last week. Uh, when we started this series, we looked at the cost of procrastination. It was on January 6th. You didn't hear that, I encourage you to go and listen to it on our app or online. And we looked how procrastination is not just kind of like a, oh, oh well, let's start tomorrow. It actually wastes God-given opportunities in your life. And a lot of times people in middle age and later, they're like, I don't understand how I got here. Well, a lot of times it's procrastination, missed opportunities God wanted for you. Plus procrastination or laziness adds new problems that you didn't have today. And frankly, procrastination hurts others. So we started looking at, well, how do you change that? We, we shared uh, two of our favorite counseling tools, the Y diagram. The Y diagram is, you know, I'm headed off this way. But in the decision time, instead of going the normal, easy, natural way, I can say, no, I'm going to do God's way. It may be harder up front, but it will be easier down the road. And that's the Y diagram. One of the ways we have in all of our counseling and this is the sanctification tool, a becoming like Jesus tool, is learning to put off bad behavior, renew my mind, and put on godly behavior. That's in Ephesians uh, chapter 4, it's also in Colossians, but it's a fundamental way that people change. So this is all by way of review. How do people change? you got to put off intentionally, stop procrastination or laziness. But just telling somebody to stop is not enough. 
and also telling them, well, you should put on diligence. You should work hard. That's not enough either. The key is right in the middle, renewing your mind with Scripture. In renewing your mind, you tap into God's power and God's ways, and that's what helps you to get from here to here. Here's a quick list for you. UBI, this is a bit of information. How long to how long do uh, New Year's resolutions normally last? Some sort of less than an hour. <laughs> it depends, but you know, depending on the study, you know, eight days, sometimes two weeks. You know, so often people are on. Stop doing this, and I'm going to start doing this. The missing piece is renewing your mind, tapping into the power of God, which is what we're talking about today. So. I want you to write that down. Really, I mean, those of you that are serious and want to learn, I mean, I get it if you just want to, if you're an auditory learner, I'm not trying to pressure you. But I am saying, especially if you're parents, write this down. This is a definition you want to teach to your kids. Diligence. A working definition is seeing each task as an assignment from God. And I'm going to try and back that up in the scripture Seeing each task, and I'm going to talk about this next week as well. Each task, including dishes in the dishwasher, making my bed, taking the trash out. Seeing each task, no matter how mundane, as an assignment from God. So this is kind of a two-part sermon. You get part one today, the slave in the end, and next week we will practice. Okay. So the Bible says, the Bible says, the ant is, uh, along with three other animals, is exceeding as small, but exceedingly wise. And then the Bible says, and this is where we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 6. Let's read verse 6. Proverbs chapter 6. Who is told to look at the ants? That's right. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6. I'll let everybody get there. I like to hear that sound. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Some of your translations say, oh, lazy bones. Go to the ant, O slugger. Observe her ways and be wise. She has no chief, and the ant has no chief, officer, or ruler. The ant prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. How long are you going to lie down, O slugger? When are you going to arise from your sleep? And then he gets, sounds a little sarcastic almost. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And your poverty will come upon you like a vagabond in your knee, like a pond. So, make sure you're with me. Who is this? Who is told specifically to go look at the ant? Slugger. Now you may think, well, I'm not a slugger, so I'm not going to, the sermon didn't apply to me. Let's face it. We all have times that we give into procrastination and laziness. Let me give you some symptoms that laziness is affecting you. First of all, when someone is sick, what kind of symptoms do we normally see? What? Like, my nose, right? Uh, I've got a sore throat. That's a symptom that something's wrong. My head is pounding, right? Y'all tracking with me? If you are physically sick, there will be symptoms that wake you up and you should pay attention to. Yes? Tired, whatever. There are symptoms that show that laziness is creeping in. And we're going to look at those symptoms very quick. Proverbs uh, has a lot to slay. In fact, if you're looking at my notes in the box, I say lazy bones. And I said that because the translation of the Hebrew word, it can be lazy, sluggard, sloth, 
they all mean pretty much the same thing. And I give you several places that that word appears throughout Proverbs. So looking at those and other places, let me give you some symptoms that laziness has snuck up on you without a The first one is, a lazy person does not think he's lazy. He will, he will rationalize and say, oh, no, no, I'm not lazy. See, if these obstacles were removed, then I would do this. Uh, at the next job, I'm going to do this. Oh, no, no, I'm not lazy. I'm just smart. I'm, I'm minimizing my workload by doing this. One of the surest signs that someone is lazy is there, like the Bible says here, he is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. You can literally go tell someone he's lazy. You know, the Bible says that, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that, but, yeah, but, it's the first sign. That ought to wake all of us up, right? Like, God, I didn't he was talking to me. Maybe I better, huh? Holy Spirit, am I lazy? Or am I lazy for a season? Or am I lazy in one area? Sometimes you're just lazy in one area, but you're diligent in other areas, and that's how the devil's in the What are some other symptoms? A lazy person, a slugger, he will make the easy, soft choices. Like this guy. I can, but I won't. Anybody recognize Carl Field? The easy, soft choices. He makes the gradual, little choice, the excuses that don't seem to have any consequences now, but later on, we're reaping the whirlwind. The Bible says the lazy slugger will not plow when the weather's cold, but then later on he'll beg for food. Well, I didn't do this, and I didn't do this, I did the soft choice. Oh, would you help me now? That's a sign of laziness. If that's a pattern you see in your life, you can step back and really look at what's going on. A third symptom of laziness, unfinished task. Jobs half done. Projects partially completed. Now listen, we're all really busy. So I recognize that if you're managing seven projects and you're trying to keep them all going in the direction, I'm not trying to say, boy, you're a, you're a disaster. But I'm saying if you can honestly say, look, I look around, all my projects are I always start on things and I don't finish. You should pay attention to that. The Bible says a lazy person, a slugger, will not even cook what they catch. In other words, they go out fishing or hunting. God provides. They're so lazy, they don't even finish to cook what they caught. The idea is God provides, and you're not taking advantage of those opportunities. And again, this is a symptom so God can call you to a better place. Okay? Wishful thinking. Oh, the lazy people, they always have the idea they're going to be rich someday. The Bible says the soul of the lazy wants much but gets nothing. And there are several proverbs that will back that up. One more symptom of a lazy person. They're poor employees. Let that sink in. They're poor employees. Has your boss been trying to call you deeper and you keep making excuses and rationalizing while your boss is an idiot and you're not changing? Maybe, maybe just take it to the Lord and say, God, I like a little sluggard laziness in me. The Bible says lazy people, the sluggard, irritate their employers. Listen, like smoke in the eyes. Have you ever been camping and you're like, I'm going to get away from the smoke and the wind changes and it comes right in your face? Anybody ever had that? Isn't that irritating? Lazy people are like that to their employers. So those are some symptoms of a lazy person. Now, in this passage, Proverbs 6, look at the very last verse. It says, we'll start at verse 10, a little sleep, a little slumber, 
the folding of the hands towards that breast, your poverty will come in. Notice two ways that laziness affects you. Your poverty will come in like a like a vagabond of the wanderers, and your need like an armed man. What's he say? He's saying all these little choices, they kind of build up slowly. And so all of a sudden, I'm 50 years old, and I'm like, I don't know why I haven't been successful, and I don't know what's going on. Now, please, this is not condemnation for those that are working hard. But I am saying sometimes you have to take a step back. My bad, easy choices have got to make it. Like a vagabond snuck up on me. But the next one, I almost called the sermon the arm time bandit based on this. What does he say? What does the Bible say? Your need will come on you like an armed man. What's it saying? It's saying all of these soft choices, at some point there's going to be a crisis, and it's like an armed man. And it's like, I was just kind of going on in life, it's easy going, didn't bother me, and all of a sudden somebody stuck a gun and said, the money or your life, or whatever. You're going to give me everything you have. And what it's saying is all those bad choices put you in a place of need and desperation. You can't even resist it. That's one of the long-term effects of a lazy, sluggard-like lifestyle. You will eventually be in a place where your need is just like, oh no, what do I do? And then you cry out, and usually it's too late. You're going to need help. You're going to need to kind of go back to school. Does that make sense? Well, that's kind of sobering. But we haven't got to the good stuff. We're going to look at the ants now. We're looking at the slugger. That's the lazy, laziness. Let's look at the ant and then the slave very quickly. Now, as I read this scripture again, Proverbs 6, the Bible says, observe and be wise. Look at it. Chapter 6, verse 6. You might even underline Go to the ant, O slugger. Observe and be wise. So what we're going to do right now, right now, what I'm going to encourage you to do later tonight or this week is observe what the Bible is saying. How do you renew your mind? Observe what the Bible is saying. Don't go to Google and find an article on how to build diligence. Look at what the Bible says. Okay? We're going to observe. Now, as you read these, we're going to look at what is it saying? But more importantly, you need, to, you need to internalize that. If you've been at the church a well, while, you know I say, what? What is the Bible saying? So what? What is the timeless truth I need to hold on to? We're looking for that right now. And then, now what? What do I do with it? So, let's observe. You ready? See if you can put these into timeless truths and the like little things, right? The ant. Observe the ant. The ant has no chief, no officer, no ruler. Prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. Now those are, that's pretty short, right? Now if I was to ask you what that means, if you just said, well, uh, an ant prepares food in the summer and gathers provision and harvest and has no, yes, you were right. You got the exact right Bible answer. But what's the timeless truth? What is God trying to say to us? Let me give you some examples. I think what the, if you want to learn from the ant, you've got a little laziness in you, the first thing is, no boss needed. Where do I see that? The ant has no chief, no ruler, no chief, uh, no, no officer or ruler. So, no boss needed. In other words, to develop diligence, I don't need mom and dad to give me a kick in the butt. I'm going to get up and do what I know I should do. 
as an employee. I'm not waiting for the boss to come in and check on me. I'm going to do what needs to be done. I don't wait around. I don't need a boss. I don't need to need my coworker to tell me what to do. I know what to do, and I will do it. Does that make sense? You want to develop diligence? That's what you do. You don't need an officer. You don't need a boss. What's another one? Do hard things now. What do I mean by that? If you look at it, it says, preparing the food in the summer. Is it hot in the summer? Yeah. He's saying he's working in the summer when it's hot, so he'll have a harvest later on. An ant does the hard things. An ant understands delayed gratification, whether they understand it or not. They're modeling delayed gratification. I work now, and then I will eat or play later. Pretty simple stuff, right? If you take my challenge later on to dig into the Word and look up all these Proverbs, do this. You write, you read what it says, and then you write a little three-word or four-word timeless truth. This is what it means. This is what God wants me to do, right? And then the next step is, oh God, there's some things I need to do. <laughs> I'm going to stop waiting for my boss to tell me the thing at work that I know I should do, and I'm going to do it. So that's what it looks like. So, I call this sermon the ant and the slave for a reason. The slave is um, a reference to Colossians chapter 3. Um, before you go there, let me, let me just say. Uh, I come out of the business world, I have a finance degree, worked in underwriting, marketing, sales, worked in small agency, worked in big corporation. Along the way, I had some very good mentors, uh, one Christian mentor and some others. And out of that, I wound up developing what I call about four of my work scriptures. They're like anchors that help me to know how I should work. The scripture I'm about to read to you is one of my anchor work verses. So like when I talk to people, young people going into business, I'll tell them this story. This one right here. And it's based on Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. But really you have to read before and after. So go to the next verse. Next screen. Right in the middle is verse 23. Work with all of your hearts. Whatever you do, do it with all of your hearts. As to God, because you work for God, not for my boss, not for them. That's kind of the principle. But here's the really kind of crazy thing. This is written to who? A slave. Now, I'm an employee. If I do a good job, I'm probably going to make a lot of money. I've got some built-in motivation. The Bible is writing this to a slave, and it's saying... Don't do this just out of a, what does it say? Eye service or people pleasing. Don't do it just to kind of curry favor with your master. No, work with sincerity, fearing the Lord. And then it says, whatever you do, take out the trash. Wash those dishes for the 5,000th time. Make that bed yet again. Wipe that snotty nose. Or whatever your mundane task is at work. Whatever you do, do it with all of your heart, not begrudgingly, with sincerity, because you work for the Lord, for the Lord, not humans. Since you know you will receive the reward of the inheritance, it is the Lord Christ who are sinning. Now, when you do your job that way, when you do serve at home, or kids, when you obey your parents that way, it will stand out because it's not normal. It's not American. It's not the normal human thing. So when you're doing the mundane, the hard, the overlooked stuff, and you're doing it as unto the Lord, eventually somebody's going to ask, 
You're making us look bad, that's probably what they'll say first. You're making all of us look bad, you need to tone it down. Or your boss may come and say, what has changed in you? What's going on? And that is your opportunity to be a light and a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Not in a pushy way, but in a, I mean, I, I use this verse multiple times. I can think of back to my work world. And I would just say, you know, there's this truth that I learned a long time ago, and I'm just telling you, you know, this scripture, it was written to slaves, and so I believe whatever I do, I'm doing unto the Lord, not just my boss, and I have the right attitude about it. So if there's any praise you see, that's because God has changed me from the inside out. You hope the next question they ask is, could you tell me more about it, right? The ant and the slave developing diligence. So, noticing this scripture, how would I take, let's practice what I just said. Don't change it yet, Brad. How would you boil that down into two or three timeless truths? So I'm going to give you a few seconds to think. How would you boil that down? What would you say? I don't know. It's a timeless truth. Now let me share three of them that I got. Okay. Next. First one is, do your job right. Whatever you do, do with all your heart as unto the Lord. God is my boss, not you. Do your job right. Do it Do it with excellence. Another timeless one I got, God is going to reward me. My boss is a real jerk and is never going to reward me, probably. My teacher doesn't realize how hard I'm trying. Maybe even someone in the family doesn't appreciate it. But I can count on this. If I do this mundane task, the Lord God has said he will reward me, and I believe that. And this one also has no boss needed. No boss needed. I don't need the boss to tell me what to do because I'm working for the Lord. Does that make sense? Okay. Now, this will change your demeanor at work. And I'm not saying it makes everything okay. Hey, the mundane is still mundane. That snotty nose and that dirty diaper is still stinky, right? But you are honoring the Lord and developing the character of diligence. And when you develop diligence, it has long-term effects. And it's getting into my message for next week. When we do things God's way, it has unintended blessings down the road. When you stop making the easy, soft choices, the lazy choices, the snooze alarm, and I'll put it off. When you start doing that, and that habit begins to change, and diligence is forming in you, let me just ask you this. If you had a kid that was just, let's just call him lazy, always looking for the shortcut, not doing things, and then all of a sudden, over the course of three months, they totally changed their attitude, and they're implementing this. They're doing what God said. If that, if that let's call him a teenager. If that teenager goes from this to that, as a parent, what would you be thinking? Praise God, right? You also might be thinking, I want to reward this behavior. I want to give him additional opportunities. As an employer, if you saw that, kind of a getting by, out, jobs over there gone, you saw this employee, and all of a sudden there's an employee that's going the extra mile, great attitude, doing their job right. What are you going to do with that employee? Aren't you going to look to give them a raise and make sure they don't leave? Aren't you going to look to promote them? All that gets back to doing things God's way. Do the hard things. Develop diligence. Recognize the symptoms of procrastination and laziness, and recognize this isn't a little thing. It's a big thing. 
So we have to put off laziness and put on diligence. Don't be lazy and develop diligence. Just like, next screen, the ant and the slave. I made it real simple for you to be able to remember a concept, okay? But what I would suggest, those sermon notes, you can find them right now, but the sermon notes you have there, I wrote down several scriptures. There's a box that lists all the scriptures about laziness. Colossians chapter 3. Uh, the, the Proverbs chapter 6. The real key is not to go, yeah, that's a good thing. I really do need to make a change. Yeah, I need to break that habit. Yeah, I need to lose that weight. Yeah, I need to take care of that home. Yeah, I should. Hopefully I'll get here. You're not going to get here unless you renew your mind and make a commitment to the Lord. So if this is stirring up anything in you, I want to encourage you. Take some time. Get your own Bible. Look up all of those scriptures. And just start writing notes to yourself. God, this is what I see you telling me. God, this is what I'm going to do. The big goal is to learn from the ant and the slave to develop diligence, to put on diligence for all reasons. So, in conclusion, and I really need to in conclusion, uh, I want to pray for everyone in this room, myself included, that, that we would do the hard work of developing diligence. Because diligence will lead to incredible results. We're about to have communion in a few moments as well. And you're going to see there's some time to examine yourself before the Lord. But uh, for now, let's, let's stay focused on this laziness and diligence. Father God, you are the King of Kings. You are the Lord of Lords. And Lord, what comes to my mind is the parable of the talents. Where Jesus said he gave a certain talent, certain uh, types of money. And then he basically watched to see what we would do. And the only one Jesus criticized is the one that did nothing, that buried his town. But the other ones that put them to use in praise. So Lord, I pray that all over this room we realize that our good, good God has given us power. He wants us to use the gifts and talents we have. I want to begin, if you feel like maybe any kind of laziness or procrastination is crept in your life, let's just do the right thing. Right now, we want to pray a uh, prayer of repentance. Not regret. Regret is, I'm sorry that happened. I don't want the consequences. We want to pray about repentance. So if you feel like there's any laziness, uh, unfinished tasks, <coughs> being a poor employee, not, not an occasional thing, but as a pattern, why don't we just pray right now? You'll pray something like this. God, your word convicts me. And I repent. Just make it simple. I repent of being lazy and being a sluggard at times. Because I repent, I'm going to take time and make this commitment. I'm going to renew my mind and learn how to be diligent. God, would you help me with that? Would you cause me to be diligent? In Jesus' name. Amen.